Welcome to the Turner Road Bible Chapel podcast, encouraging and equipping Christians to grow in their walk with Christ. He got off his throne and clothed himself in the same clothes as his people and did what they did. He experienced what they experienced. God has been through what it means to be a human being. He was born into poverty. He knows what poverty is. He knew what it was to work hard for a living. He worked all his life. He knew what it was to suffer bereavement and loss. His own cousin was beheaded. He knew what it was to be rejected. He probably knew more than what you or I experienced. Welcome to the TRBC podcast. We're doing a special series of podcasts through the Christmas season just to bring attention to Uh, our Savior, and how unique His birth is, and how amazing it is that Jesus Christ, who's God in the flesh, came down to this earth. We're going to be doing a couple of podcasts through the holidays, and I'm excited to have with me a good friend, no stranger to the chapel, Shane Johnson. Shane. Hello, everyone. Good to be back on this podcast to talk about such a great subject, Christmas. Yes. Do you have all of your Christmas presents bought yet? Um, I I only have the wonderful, indescribable gift, the Lord Jesus. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> my wife actually does a lot of the shopping. I just say yay or nay. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we're going to start off. Shane has a couple of devotionals, and we're going to helicopter into a few pages throughout the books. Uh, the first one we're starting with is 31 Days at Bethlehem's Manger. Um, There's actually two devotional Shane's done, and they're both available on Gospel Folio Press. Great thing to either give away or use during the holidays to kind of help center you on some thoughts around the Lord. We're going to start off with uh, day one of the first devotional. And as I read this, I wanted to see the second half of the verse, so I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. But, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah. That's the first thought. Yeah. So, with these devotionals, you know, I tried to make them short because, I mean, (laughs) Christmas morning, how much time do you really have? Those kids want to get opening those gifts. And also, obviously, before work or something, you just want to read a page. I just thought to maybe share something that would stimulate thoughts for the day and others would, would add their thoughts So the thought that I was pulling from this verse was just centered on the word little. That's the one that jumped out at me. Though you're little, something out of so something so grand, so huge, so immense would come out of you. And this uh, to me seemed like the signature of God. This is what he does. He works with little things. Nice. And so we picked that up right in the beginning of the verse, and it's an encouragement for us. I mean the fact that Jesus came to earth at all, but then he, the way he chose to do it, I think you're singling out here that um, when we sing, Oh, little town of Bethlehem, uh, that first line is, is true. It wasn't a huge place. wasn't very glorious. He wasn't even announced coming into it. So what are the thoughts we can take out of this verse? Well, I like that hymn, uh, Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how silently, how silently, the wondrous gift was given. And that's exactly what it was, right? It was so 
quiet, so unknown, so unannounced to as far as our world goes and, uh, you know, the celebrityism that we're used to for big things. God did not get that. And of course, the irony is, is that he's the only one who, who deserved it. But it speaks of God's love. He was willing to be unknown for us, for the purpose of redemption and serving us. He went nameless and faithless, faceless and honorless at such a momentous occasion, right? Can you imagine uh, we, in the human realm, you know, we got the Prince William having his son and everybody's glued to the TV. Yeah. And here we got God bringing his son to the world. And, oh, a few shepherds find out and, you know, Mary and Joseph who are basically poor, unknown people. Hey, that's how God did it, because in one sense, that's what he's always doing. Mm. God is working with little, insignificant, relatively speaking, insignificant people, right? We're not famous. We're not Albert Einsteins. We're just normal people. And that's what God works with every day. So I think his birth, his entry in the world reflects what he's always doing. You you read through the Gospels and it's almost as if God was, in a sense, setting a precedent for the type of people he wanted to see to save and the type of people he came to serve. And even as a, as a grown man, you see him in all of the places you wouldn't expect him to be. And we've been discussing this at a Bible study, uh, going through the book of James, how much God hates partiality and hates fakeness, hates the idea of you telling somebody you care about them, but doing nothing about it. When you look at what Christ did, like everything he did on this earth, the people he served, the, the place he grew up, it was all kind of signaling, hey, that this good news, it's, it's for everybody. You have that with, uh, you know, the disciples he called. He didn't call Pharisees, scribes, lawyers, those who were the brilliant ones of their of that day, those who were educated and established, um, respected in society. Instead, he called the common folk, the fishermen. Um, he even called the despised ones, the tax collector. Um, these are the ones God calls because his kingdom is for everyone. Obviously, if he calls the lowliest, uh, then anyone can be invited. But if it was just the rich and the established, those who were lowly and marginalized might feel left out. But time and time and again, that's who we see him going to. The leper, the uh, woman who was old and uh, widows, all those people who are forgotten about, the Lord made sure that they were a part of his story. The second half of that verse, of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. So the uh, town was insignificant, but the one who would arrive there was not. Absolutely. And that's what I tried to sort of bring out in that little poem at the end, you know, contrasting Jesus with other people from world history. We just sort of see what true greatness is because he, the truly great one, didn't do what these other 
quote unquote great ones did. His birth was not like theirs, and his death was not like theirs, and yet they are remembered and celebrated, and he is largely forgotten by the secular society. So here's the little poem at the end. You want to be great? Then shrink yourself small. To look a little like the sun, relinquish everything, give up all. Take as your pedestal a manger stall, and of the world's fame, take none. When he came here, he erased his face and let his massive name be killed. Alexander the Great did a little kingdom make, but next to Christ, he seems ungreat. Jesus' name is the smallest and greatest still. Mm. And it's uh, that condescending that makes him so popular now. And that makes it so meaningful. What's significant about the second half of this verse that sticks out to you as we come up to Christmas, that this one who was born there, his going forth are from old, from everlasting. Well, again, this speaks of God's nature, right? He's always been there. He's older than time. He's more ancient than uh, minutes and hours. And through the incarnation, this is where eternity intersects with time, right? That's the kind of, I don't know, word play or contrast that's going on between these two thoughts is that God's eternity enters into his birth, right? God begins to be aging, even though he's the ageless one. So that's what I take, that his days are from old, from everlasting, and yet the clock begins in hmm. Bethlehem. Now you mentioned in your writing that the name Jehovah never appears in the New Testament. Why is that significant? It's significant because, again, by never mentioning it, it sort of is emphasizing that it's on every page, right? Jesus' name, uh, it means Jehovah saves. You know, this is a favorite point of our friends, no, sorry, not friends, of our uh, door knockers, the Jehovah Witnesses. They love to point out that uh, Jehovah's name is so great. And I said, well, if it's so great and if it's so supposed to be used all the time, why isn't it never once mentioned in the New Testament? And they're like, that's a good question. We don't know. And I'm like, actually, it is. It's on every page. It is Jesus' name. Jesus is Jehovah. Jehovah saves is Jesus. Mm. It's it's Jehovah saving you in the flesh. So they don't really like that, but uh, that's the idea there that uh, Jehovah is in the New Testament, hidden in the name Yeshua, Joshua, which is Jehovah saves. So the big part that we remember around Christmas is how Jesus came. We've looked at fact that he came to a little insignificant town, but the one who came had been around a long time. Uh, this one who was working in the Old Testament, his compassion was shown there as well. On many occasions, the Israelites had a number of historical events to look back on and see the compassion, the mercy, the love of God, but nothing would be quite like this. Luke 2, 7 and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes 
not only was it a little town, but this, this verse, I think, speaks to us a bit about how Jesus came, how the man himself came, swaddling clothes. Yeah, so what really, I don't know, got me excited about this verse, and when I try to make cross-references in my mind, it kind of helps me appreciate, again, exactly what happened through the incarnation, because... I'm sure there's a ton there that's amazing, but uh, maybe we're glossing over it. Maybe we've heard these passages a hundred times, our brain goes on autopilot, etc., etc. So one of the cross-references that I make is uh, this one here in Psalm 93. He was clothed with majesty, right? Psalm 93, verse 1. But now he's clothed in, in swaddling rags. It's just basic clothes. Mm. Nothing special there. They might even have been dirty. Who knows, right? But if anything, he was the majestic one. Other Psalms say that he's clothed with strength. And now we got this weak baby. We all know that a baby's the most fragile thing. If you don't support its neck, the baby's in trouble. And then other psalms say that he's clothed with light. He dwells in unapproachable light. And here we have um, relatively this baby, nothing surrounding him that's made him known. So in any, it's anything, it's but light. It's, it's unknown. It's obscure. Um, he's famous in heaven, but not even known on earth uh, or by just a handful. So he certainly wasn't clothed with light in that sense. So there's all the things that he is, but they're, they're not seen. It reminds me um, of a verse, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Uh, that's the interesting thing about Jesus is as the longer he, he lives, even though his glory is veiled, even though you could say he has all of this majesty and things in heaven, especially that we can't see on earth. Uh, we have a, a picture of that on the Mount of Transfiguration, but it's almost, you almost get the sense that his glory is seen in what he did, how he lived. Yeah. Um, one of the illustrations I always remembered, I heard it from Jabe Nicholson. I, I suppose I, I'm pretty sure he probably made it up, but maybe he heard it from someone else. Just this idea of light hitting a prism, and it's broken into its rainbow of colors. And uh, he used that as an illustration of the incarnation. Obviously, the light of God, which is blinding to a human mind, and, and we cannot look upon that sight, it's said in the Old Testament, or we would die. God made it so that we could see him, sort of like a pris through a prism, and the, the various colors of his personality, of his character, shone through. So we see how he uh, interacted with children, how he rebuked the hypocrites, how he went out of his way for the marginalized and the downtrodden, how he had time for the lame and the blind and the beggars and we see that god loves just like we read in the old testament but now we see it there's no person in all literature as beautiful and loving as the lord jesus christ fiction tries to create lovable characters and they can't even come close to our lord jesus there's not he's otherworldly and his personality is larger than life mm. and we see that all because God 
incarnated himself as a human being. Which brings us to that verse in Matthew one twenty three. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which interpreted as God with us. It's a really encouraging thing to think about that God actually came here, that God's actually with us. His purpose to coming on coming to earth, especially when you look back at different types of gods back in those days or throughout human history, oftentimes God being with you wasn't a great thing because it usually meant you were on the receiving end of some sort of wrath, whether it's your crops were destroyed or the boat you're in is getting sunk. In this case, God with us did not mean that he was coming uh, in wrath, but he was, in a sense, not only coming down to be with us, but but he's with us as well. Um, and we see that in his name. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there's so much there. I mean, we could talk about how God is with us in our suffering. He identified with us. He went through similar things. So now we can take comfort that God was not some type of king sitting on a throne while his people are starving in his kingdom. No, he got off his throne and clothed himself in the same clothes as his people and did what they did. He experienced what they experienced. God has been through what it means to be a human being. He was born into poverty. He knows what poverty is. He was, he knew what it was to work hard for a living. He worked mm-hmm. all his life. Yep. He knew what it was to suffer bereavement and loss. His own cousin was beheaded. He knew what it was to be rejected. He probably knew more than what you or I experience. Generally speaking, he suffered more than Job in the sense of his dishonor and his abandonment on the cross these things job never suffered so jesus has all the credentials of a human suffer thanks for listening to the trbc podcast turner bible chapel is located in windsor ontario canada you can find us online at trbc.ca we hope that this has helped encourage and equip you in your walk with christ Thank <laughs> you.